I want to read something to you, and we're going to have a Bible study this morning. We're going to study the Bible. That's what we come for. So take your Bible and turn to 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. Do not be looking at your notes. Put it down. You don't even have them in your hand. So 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law. For sin is the transgression of the law. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins. And in him is no sin. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin, because he's born of God. In this, the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. Pause. Now, this is a little bit different than reading John 3.16, which says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. What a simple verse. Now, what we just read, not so simple. When I first read these verses, it blew my mind. I had come out of the part of your apartments there in Athens, Georgia. My father-in-law had led me to Christ. He told me I ought to talk to people about the Lord, but he never took me, so I didn't know how to talk to people about the Lord. So I got to where I just knock on the door, and if anybody answered, I said, Are you saved? And sometimes they would say, from what? Saved. Bam! <laughs> I'd knock at the next door. Are you saved? That's all I knew to ask. And one guy told me, he says, uh, I, I don't know. I said, well, I'll pray for you. I go to the next door. Now, I realized now I think I could have done a better job. But I was at the bottom of the hill. Well, there were some cars parked there. I saw this victim. Guy walked across. Ah! I walked up to him and I says, are you saved? He says, yes, I am. I said, well, great. So am I. He says, you're saved? I said, yeah, I'm saved. He says, um, are you born again? I said, yes, I'm born again. He says, do you still sin? I said, yes, I do. He says, then you're not saved. I said, yes, I am. He says, no, you're not. I said, yes, I am. He said, are you born again? I said, yeah, I'm born again. Do you still sin? I said, yes, everybody sins. He says, then you're not saved. Now, he made me mad. I was about ready to deck this guy. 
I didn't know anything about, you know, tolerance and all that stuff. I didn't even know the verse about turn your cheek. Because <laughs> if I hit him good enough, he ain't going to be turning nothing. <laughs> I didn't go to church yet. I wasn't, you know, I hadn't been Christianized. He said, don't you believe the Bible? I says, every word of it. I had no clue what the Bible said. I just got saved. I didn't know a lot of things. I didn't know there were books in the Bible. But anyway, he um, said, I got a Bible in the truck. He says, if I showed it to you in the Bible, would you believe it? I said, if it's in there, I'll believe it. He got his Bible, and he opened it up, and he showed me 1 John 3, 9. Look in verse 9. This is the verse he showed me. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he's born of God. And then he looked at me with a grin. He says, are you born of God? I said, yes, I am. He says, do you still sin? I said, yes, I do. He says, and you're not saved. I said, yes, I am. He says, no, you're not. <laughs> so we argued some more. Oh, and I kept thinking in my mind, Lord, you really messed up now. There's no reason for this verse to be in this Bible. I mean, because what you just said, it can't be true. If you're born of God, you don't commit sin. And I knew I was already sinning then. I was mad then. Anyway, I stomped off. And I couldn't wait to see my father-in-law. Well, I explained it to him. He him and haw because he couldn't explain it either. I don't know if he knew that verse was in the Bible. But whatever it was, I didn't get satisfied. This really bothered me. Because, you see, if you get saved and if you don't sin after you're saved, I had a problem. I would venture to say, how many of you in this room know positively you have trusted Christ as Savior? You're born of God. Let me see your hand. Boy, some of you are slow. All right, put your hand down. Do you still sin? <laughs> You'd have to be proud of it. <laughs> yes, I do! <laughs> Glory, hallelujah! No, no. Yes, you still sin. But the Bible just said, whosoever is born of God doesn't commit sin. So I... Uh, I had, I had a problem, and it, it bothered me for a long time. And um, I heard from another translation, and so on the back of your paper there, where it has at the top of it, the New International Version, and it has NIV. So I want you to look there at uh, chapter 3, and you'll notice there's a little place there under number 3 where it has the fourth verse, every one. Find where it has everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins. And in him is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Boy, that's really clear. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. And no one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Now, this is the NIV. Well, you say, I got a problem with the King James. This is the NIV. And here it just simply says, if you're saved, you won't continue to sin. You won't continue. You won't keep on sinning. All right, here you are. This is, this is the Bible. Now, you and I know God must have made a mistake. He couldn't have meant that. 
Because who gets to go to heaven then? Evidently, there must not be any Christians at all. And yet everybody in this room knows if you're honest. You still sin. You say, not me. Let me talk to your wife. I bet you couldn't find five people that will swear that you haven't sinned in ten years. You won't find five people. You won't find one. And if you bear witness of yourself, you're lying. Because God said, let God be true and every man a liar. So, how are we going to get out of that? Look at the next paragraph down, the next set of verses where it has, Dear children, dear children. Do not let anyone lead you astray. He who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. He who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil hath been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works, devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin. That's in the NIV. Now, I have a problem with the King James but I have a bigger problem with that because it's boiling it down to that if you get saved, you won't keep living that way. You won't keep living the way you've been living. You're not going to keep on sinning. This is why when some people read the Bible and they read this, and then somebody claims to be a Christian, well, if you're a Christian, I don't believe you. You mean you still drink? You still smoke? Oh, you still said a cuss word. That means you're not a real genuine Christian. Remember last week we spoke on what is a real genuine Christian. Will the real Christian please stand up? I said that three times, not a soul stood. Until I told him at the end of it, let's all stand and sing. But anyway. So we have a problem with the translation because there's just something inside of us that says, that's, that's not right. If you just simply read that and believed it the way it says it, there's a problem. Could that cause you to question your salvation that if you're born of God, you will not continue to sin? Would that cause a problem with you? Would it cause you to say, maybe I'm not really saved or really born of God? So it does produce a problem. And so this evidently must be a difficult scripture to explain. When you have all of these experts in Hebrew and Greek who try to explain what it means and then put it into a translation. Well, I've got news for you. I don't believe that this is a translation. This is an interpretation. Because of what somebody thinks they have put in there, you won't continue to sin. Or you won't keep on sinning because they don't know no better way to explain it. Because they know that what is said in the King James, that can't be right. So we're going to explain it. Well, their explanation makes it worse. And I'll show you in just a minute. Now, if you look there on the New American Standard, down on the left, you will see about the middle where I have the words practice sin. Now, in the New American Standard, this is what they say on trying to explain this verse. You see there, everyone who practices sin, 
also practices lawlessness. And sin is lawlessness. It's going against the law. So you know that you're practicing lawlessness when you sin because sin is against the law. You transgress the law. And if you don't know what the word practice means, it means you do it habitually over and over and over again. Everyone who practices sin. And he says in verse 5, And ye know that he appeared in order to take away sins. And in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him sins. No one who sins has seen him or knows him. Little children, let no one deceive you. The one who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who practices sin is of the devil. Now, you and I don't have to worry about this because, see, we're not practicing sins. We're experts at it. I mean, we know what we're doing. Now, the next verse says, The Son of God appeared for this purpose, that he might destroy the works of the devil. No one, verse 9, that verse that really threw me, well, it threw me for a loop, that's for sure. No one who is born of God practices sin. So, here you are, you say, I've trusted Christ as my Savior, and you're still struggling in some particular sin in your life. Uh, even those that nobody knows about. What if you habitually get mad, habitually get angry, habitually have bad thoughts, habitually look at things you're not supposed to look at, habitually say cuss words or some kind of profanity? Well, if you're saved, you're not going to practice sin. Could that cause you to question your salvation? Because if you're saved, you're not going to do that. This is why you have a lot of people who teach that if you're saved, it means you've got to commit your life to Christ. It means you've got to promise your life, how you're going to live, to the Lord in order to be saved. So that means you've got to promise God you're going to walk the straight and narrow road. You're going to behave yourself and do right. Keep your nose clean. Stay out of trouble. Because, you see, that means it's what we call lordship salvation. God will save you if Christ is the Lord or the master of your life. And if he is not the master of your life, then it's a sign you are not saved. Boy, doesn't that cause trouble. Because you'll have to admit that if you're still sinning, Christ must not be the Lord or the master of your life. So that means you must not be saved. So you're going to get us out of this? I don't know. We're going to try. Now, what I do want you to know is that there is a very simple explanation for all of this and how to put it together. And you want to stick around long enough to find out, don't you? I don't know if we can be here that long. But I do want you to see this. Turn your page over. I want you to know that there are two Greek words that we find mentioned down through here in this portion of Scripture. One is the word poeo, and the other one is the word prazo. Poeo, prazo, two Greek words. One of these words means to practice habitually, continuously. And one of the words means not 
one single time. Not one single act. So I want you to look there at the top of the page where I have 1 John 1, 9. Is it prazo, to practice? Or poeo, not one single act. Which one is it? Which Greek word is used? Now, what I want you to notice is that you have there, or it's in bold, a primary verb. See it where it's underlined? This word, prazo, means to practice. Perform repeatedly or habitually. This is taken right out of the Strong's Concordance. This is what it says about this word. So there is a word, prazo, in the Greek, that means, and sometimes used as do or commit, and it's translated so many different ways in so many places, and it means to practice sin, to practice, habitually commit. But that number, if you look at the next line, thus differing from the Greek 4160, poeo, which properly refers to a single act. Now, the bold I did because I wanted to bring it to your attention. I wanted you to see this. So there are two words, prazo, poeo. And the one word is a Greek number 4160, which is poeo. And the other one is the number, trying to see where that number 4238 is prazo. So there's two Greek words in Strong's Concordance, two different numbers, two different meanings. Now, as you read it, you want to know which word is used in these scriptures that we're looking at. Does the word that they have used, does it mean to practice habitually, continuously, or does it mean not one time, not one single act? Because it makes a lot of difference. You see, one is that you continually, habitually sin. And one is you can't commit one single act of sin. You say, well, both sound pretty bad to me. Well, I'm not through yet. But I want you to see it because it is so important. Go all the way down to the bottom of the page where you have in the square box. You'll notice on the left the word poeo. Bold. And the Greek number is 4160. And you can get a strong concordance. You can look it up. That's what I did. That's what I did. I copied this right out of the book. I said, don't you know a little Greek? Yeah, he runs a restaurant down on the corner. <laughs> so we know that the word poeo means not one single act. Now look at the next word. The last line on the page. Prazo. 4238. Perform repeatedly or habitually, thus differing from poeo, which properly refers to a single act. That's in the Strong's Dictionary. This is the authority for the study of your Greek. Now, look at the numbers. 4160, 4238. Now, turn your page over and look where Strong's 
applies those numbers to the right word in the sentence in the scripture. And you'll notice where I have underlined 1 John 3, 9, where it says, is born of God, doth not commit sin. That word commit, what's the number out there to the right? 4160. 4160 is the Greek word poeo. And poeo means not one single act. Now you tell me how they can put practice in there or habitually commit in there when it's the wrong Greek word. Look over there again. Look down at the bottom of the page where it has 1 John 3, 4. Whosoever committeth sin, transgressive, and in verse 8, he that committeth sin is of the devil. That word is the number 4160. It's not the word prazo, which means to continually or habitually commit. So you see, when you want to believe something, you can say whatever you want. But in reality, that's not what God said. God's word says in the book of 1 John 3, 9, and that whole paragraph that we read, is talking about the original from the Greek. It's talking about you can't commit one single act of sin. So see, you don't have to worry about practicing it. You can't even commit one. See, boy, that's worse than we had before. Because occasionally I might mess up. But I don't practice it. Well, since the word is poeo, and it means you cannot commit one single act of sin, how do you explain it? Because you and I know we both still sin. And pretty good at it. Take your Bible and turn with me to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Don't leave me now. Don't let your mind go anywhere else. Stick with me and understand this because this is so important. You'll also see why the King James is superior to all the other translations. Because they didn't put it down according to their interpretation, but according to a translation. They used the right word and the right meaning. But notice here in 1 Corinthians in chapter 15, I want you to look there in verse 45. Verse 45, this is on page 1227. Verse 45 says, And so it is written, the first man, Adam, made a living soul. Last, Adam, a quickening spirit. So in the Word of God, it's like there's only two men that's ever come into this world. They came from different worlds. You see, Adam was from this world. This hand, Jesus Christ, is from another world. They're two different worlds. As you could say, they're a world apart. And they are. The first man in the world, Adam, well, all of us who have a flesh birth, let me see, how many of y'all have a flesh birth? Let me see your hand. How many of you are not sure? 
If you have a physical birth and you're sitting here this morning and I can see you, you have a flesh birth. You were born into this world because of Adam. And Adam was a sinner. And because he had an old sinful nature, so do you. So our first birth, born of Adam, were just like him. Then he makes this statement, the last Adam. Or look over here. This is Jesus Christ. He wasn't born of Adam. He was born of God. Born of God. You see, he didn't have a sinful nature. Adam did. So did y'all. Oh, all of us have a sinful nature. We're all born into this world because of Adam. And because we all sin, we're all going to die. Over here, Jesus Christ. He came from outer space. A place called heaven. He didn't have a sinful nature, so he didn't sin. He couldn't sin. Impossible to sin. And because he didn't sin, he didn't have to die. So he voluntarily laid his life down for all of us that were born of Adam, the first Adam. So that by birth, believing that what he did was for us, everybody born of Adam can be born of God by faith. When you believe he did it for you, then God gives you a new birth. You have now two of them. I was born into the world because of Adam. I was born into God's family because of Christ. First Adam, second Adam. Now look what he says here in verse 46. Howbeit that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterwards that which is spiritual. Look up here. You see, the spiritual didn't come first. The natural came first. And then, that which is spiritual. I was born into this world as a natural birth, a flesh birth, as a sinner. And then one day I trusted Christ as my Savior. And I was born spiritually into God's family. That was 51 and a half years ago. The other one, that was 70 years ago. So this one came first. And then this one. Now look what he says in verse 47. The first man is of the earth. The second man is the Lord from heaven. See, I didn't make that up. It's right here. The Bible teaches us. 